0: on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook.
3: Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome back inside the clubhouse right here on of The Score and your free Odyssey app broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios. I am David Haw. back this week with Bruce Levine talking baseball 9 to 11 like we do every Saturday morning. Today, reacting to two pretty good victories by the Cubs and the White Sox on Friday night and hoping that everything As Soldier Field this weekend, goes all too well for all the Swifties in town for the
4: extravaganza on the lakefront. Good morning, Bruce. How are you? Good morning, David. It didn't go too well for me returning from uh, the uh, ballpark on the south side, home toward the north side. Uh, uh, It wasn't Swift at all. Okay, It wasn't the Skokie Swift. It wasn't Chicago Swift. It was Taylor Swift messing with my timeline and my day. Okay, I'm an older person. I don't have that kind of time to waste. All right. Just saying. Sixty six thousand fans were happy she was there. This one, not so thrilled. Okay, Bruce, I'm glad we got that out of the way, because now you're going to
3: be happy. You're not going to be grumpy and I'm not even going to be able to put you in a bad mood because we've got some good baseball to talk about. Friday night, look, on the south side. The White Sox really had a pretty good game and a victory over the Detroit Tigers who were in town. You have to like 3-0 shutouts. And then if you stayed up late and you know that you might have been listening to the score, watching on the Marquee Sports Network, the Cubs had a dramatic victory over the San Diego Padres. Good ninth inning from uh, Mark Leiter Jr. You had excellent pitching by Adbert Alzali. Clutch hitting by Dansby Swanson. Victory for the Cubs, three to nothing victory for the White Sox. A good Friday night for Chicago baseball. We needed that.
4: You know, good pitching has, has been a part. Uh, good starting pitching has been a part of what's been going on for both teams for the last couple weeks here. The the Cubs have won some games and probably because uh, up until Tampa came into town, David, they were two and 10 in one run games. Okay. So all of a sudden, uh, uh, the last three one-run games, the last four, they lost one, but they they won three others. Okay, two against arguably the best team in baseball in Tampa. So when you look at the White Sox and you look at the Cubs, and I guess this is uh, for you, our great listeners, three one two six four four six seven six seven, how much really separates the best teams? from the very average teams like we think the Cubs are and like we think the White Sox have been playing. How much separates them, David, in your mind, between the two? I I mean, I have a hard time figuring it. I watch all these games every day. I'm at a game every day. And I still can't tell you if the Cubs have the ability to be a good team, if the White Sox are going to be a good team in a bad division or a good team in the American League. I have trouble with it. It's an excellent question
3: to ask here at the beginning of June after just getting past the Memorial Day mile marker of every baseball season, Three one two Let's set up the show for you today. We're going to talk to Ken Hawk Harrelson at the bottom of the hour, 9.30. Hawk will join us, talk about the White Sox, the future for this group, maybe the future for, you know, whether Jerry Reinsdorf uh, should sell the team, as Hawk has suggested. We also will talk to Gordon Wintmeyer, formerly of the Chicago Sun-Times and NBC Sports Chicago, friend of the score, longtime contributor, moving on to a new job out of town. We want to get Gordon's thoughts on the Cubs and everything else before he leaves town and wish him well. And, Bruce, let's start with, obviously, the questions you asked. I think last night we look at where the Cubs and where the White Sox are. They can tease you into thinking that things are going to be okay. When you look at the White Sox shutting out the Tigers, you might think, boy, Where's that been? Boy, if that starting pitching rotation can do that a few more times through, I think it's it's dangerous to believe in that because I don't know that being the best in a bad division is going to be enough. And that's the same question that the Cubs might be asking themselves because they are only four and a half games out despite being 25 and 31 because they play in a bad division. Is that enough, though? Is that enough to put at the top of your qualifications list, Bruce, what are your best? What's your best credential to consider yourself a playoff team? Well, we play in a lousy division.
4: You know, when when you were talking, David, all your lucid uh, thoughts just prompted me to just think about joy of watching. If you're a Cub or a Sox fan, okay, do you enjoy the games? Are your teams playing good baseball? And in the case of the White Sox, it's been. Up and back. Okay. I think they played a more solid brand of baseball here. They had a winning record in May after a disastrous April. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is, is that good enough? And I, I brought this up to Kenny Williams yesterday when I was talking to him at the ballpark. And I said, you know, your team has played really interesting baseball since 2020. 2020 and the first part of 21, they were a fun team to watch. Okay. There was. A lot of joy watching them. From the middle of '21 on, when they've been less than 500 team, it's been harder for me to enjoy White Sox baseball. Cub baseball has been all over the place. Okay, uh, not sure about that. I think that they're a more solid team this year. Uh, just when you throw in the new shortstop, the new second baseman, the new center fielder when he's out there, um, just uh, adding some pitching. Here and there, although Tyone really threw his just his second good start yesterday. That's a good sign. But when I look at Chicago baseball, I look at it and I say, are fans enjoying this? Am I enjoying this style of baseball? And I go up and back. I wonder what your thoughts are.
3: Well, I think when I'm watching the White Sox, it's very discouraging. I don't think that it's fun to be a Sox fan. I would struggle if I grew up rooting for the team that I think seems to just underachieve out of habit now. And even though it, we're coming off a good victory last night and we're, we're looking at a month of May where they bounce back a little bit, when we heard from Rick Hahn on Monday before the Memorial Day matchup, I think when he talked about wanting another month to determine the course of this season and, and by virtue, the the, the the by extension, the course of this, the direction of the organization, you're buying yourself time that I think represented to me a lowering of the standard you're buying yourself time what do you it goes back to what i said at the beginning of this bruce to be the best team in the al central is not enough whatever happened to the multiple championships is this a team that can contend for a pennant no it's not too flawed too underachieving too too injury prone too whatever so i'm frustrated if i'm watching the white Sox on a consistent basis as we do
4: i'll tell you this the, the Philadelphia Phillies last year were a bad team up until uh, probably July of last year. Mm-hmm. And what you learn from looking at the Phillies last year is that if the White Sox managed to go to the playoffs and win their division, and even in a bad division, with the quality of players they have there, that will be a scary team regardless of who they're playing because of the fact that that they can compete, they can throw out their all star players, they can throw out their all star pitchers. Uh, hopefully, their all star closers on his way back to complete health and the ability to be the adrenaline guy that he is for that team. So, I'm saying winning a bad division is not a horrible thing. If you get in, and again, you know, you have six teams in each league now. You get in, Philadelphia was the lowest seed in baseball last year getting in. They go within two games of winning the World Series. So that's something it, to keep your eye on.
3: It feels like what you just described is the White Sox method of doing business from 2000, 2012 to 2016 before the, the, the rebuild, Bruce. It sounds like that patching things together to get through another season to maybe flirt with the idea of contending yeah. – was the business model for too many years and that's why they hit reset and I think that they're dangerously close to needing to do that again, only because I don't think that some of the bright spots we saw last night are sustainable. They're inconsistent and they're injury yeah. prone.
4: I, I think you're, you're right about one thing that comes to mind and that is they missed out on Machado. They missed out on Harper. They missed out on the super superstar. Okay. Does that have an impact? on who you are and how you go out there on a daily basis. They have some star players. They have all star players. They have very good players. But are they missing that one star uh, that takes you to the other level? Are you you missing the Kirk Gibson of 1988 or the Kirk Gibson of 1984 for the Tigers, 88 for the Dodgers? Are you missing that element of, Hey, we're going to win one way or another. Uh, I'm going to be the MVP for the Dodgers in 88 and I'm talking about Gibson and I'm not going to have 40 home runs. I'm not going to have 100 RBI. I'm just going to be a guy that helps win every day. And, you know, that type of win, you know, the will to win. And we're going to talk to Hawk Harrelson, who came up with that one about five years ago, six years ago. The will to win on a daily basis. Who drives that? And sometimes it appears that's missing with the White Sox.
3: All right, before we get to the phone lines, let's talk about the Cubs for a second because you mentioned Jamison Tyone. The Cubs went out and signed him to a $68 million contract, and it took until June 2nd for him to get his first victory. But it was a good one. He went five and two-thirds innings, gave up three hits, two infield singles, only one run against a very good Padres lineup. Padres are scuffling a little bit this season themselves, but it was nice to see Tyone do that. Nice to see Dansby Swanson, who's having a terrific season come through in the clutch the bullpen which has been up and down inconsistent the pitching lab has been you know closed for construction and then reopened and then closed again and then reopened but alzali mark leiter jr did their jobs last night bruce i look at the cubs with a little bit more encouragement because i think there's more obvious examples and evidence of a plan. They're trying to retain their core guys. They went out and spent money in free agency. They've got young talent on the way, and whenever that happens, as we continue to point out in Chicago, in sports, when you have young prospects where the best is at yet, but the best is ahead of them, it makes you feel better about what you're watching in the present because you feel better about the future.
4: Yeah, it's a great points. Uh, you know, they are developing their bullpen as the games go on. Julian Merriweather has been outstanding for them uh, over the last two weeks. He's just been unhittable. He's thrown the ball 98 to 100, and he's got a nasty breaking ball. Those are the kind of arms that you have to have at the end, Uh, as you explained with Alzele. You have to have power arms at the end to win. Leiter, uh, he's a dominant pitcher with a splitter, that's 50, probably 50% of the time he's thrown a splitter. Uh, you need those power arms to win. And if, and if Meriwether and, uh, continue to move on, that bullpen has a chance to be good, maybe not great. And then you have Cody Hoyer that everybody's depending on down the road here to be a part, maybe we're seeing a developmental situation at the major league level with the Cubs. And maybe they're going to be a better team for it. You get Bellinger back, hopefully Steele, and that's another story we're going to cover here on Inside the Clubhouse, is not hurt for a long time. And he continues to be one of the more dominant pitchers in the National League. Um, You know, again, a lot of moving parts with, with the Cubs that shows they can be better. Their offense is still short. David, in short, what the Cubs have lacked, Power arms and power bats, okay? And
3: they missed that stud in the middle of the lineup like you pointed out. The White Sox need their star, so do the Cubs. They need to go out and get that guy, whether it's Shohei Ohtani or whoever else we can dream. But until they get that guy, you're going to miss him. And you mentioned Justin Steele. And when I'm asked about how you feel about the Cubs this season, which is what we're addressing here in the first segment, I think that the answer to that question hinges on his reliability, his availability. And I think that you were in front of this on Friday afternoon. Justin Steele left – the game the other night after facing nine batters and getting all of them out for the Tampa Bay Rays, and he had left forearm tightness. Bruce,
4: what is the latest with Justin Steele, and how much encouragement did you find in Friday's news? Uh, there was a sense of relief coming out of the Cub front offices and David Ross in the coaches area, knowing that uh, the MRI didn't show any structural or real damage there. Saw some inflammation, going to miss at least a start. They might put him, uh, you know, uh, on the IL. They can do that, you know, retro to uh, Thursday after he didn't pitch. So, uh, you know, again, the, the designation between the ILs is very different now, David. 15-day IL for pitchers, 10-day IL for hitters or, you know, position players. So uh, will he miss one or two starts? Okay. Do you protect him Another start, David. Yes. Knowing that he's a franchise pitcher, okay? Yes.
3: Okay. All right. Bruce, there's no hesitation there. I mean, this is a guy that whether he has emerged, whatever he's making, he is one of your prized assets, a left-handed starter that's been as good as anybody in baseball his last 20 starts. You've got to do whatever is necessary to make sure that you're not rushing him back to the mound. And I know they will do that. I sense they will do that.
4: Yeah. So, I mean – that's the common sense thing. And uh, whether he's an older pitcher or it's your young, valuable pitcher, you you're always you know, executive's gonna tell you, Hey, we're gonna do the right thing for the pitcher, okay? It's not always the case. You know, it's it's you know, but in this in this situation, you know they're gonna be extra cautious with the guy and they're they're gonna have a little bit more control. People forget, David, that when you go on the I L, okay? and then you're off the IL, and but the, the team wants you to stay, and you say, I'm ready, they mm-hmm. have no choice. They must activate you when you tell them you're ready off of the IL unless you have an understanding with the team, the trainers, the medical people. It's not the call of the team. It's the I, call of the player.
3: I think they have to have a conversation, and you need to reinforce steel with some rest because that is the best – medicine right now and the, I'm, I'm relieved at your news I was yesterday when you when you put it up out there on 67 score.com because I still won't feel totally relieved I think until he pitches again because Bruce let's face it Cody Bellinger that was supposed to be a couple days boom it's a month Nico Horner well you know what he might come back right away boom IL I don't know I don't know about these early prognoses, so I wonder about Justin Fe- Justin Steele until
4: I see Justin Steele back on I the mound. Agree. I agree with you a hundred percent. It <clears throat> one start could end up being three starts. Three starts can end up being three weeks. Okay, it could be that much. You know, you don't know. Right now, they're just the the, the good news is the very good news is that there's no structural damage. There is, there is some inflammation and they're going to, they're going to watch it and he'll be, hopefully he's going to be all right. But again, the way that they look at things now and the way that the medical people handle it and the teams handle it, you know, one injury like a bone bruise to Bellinger is going to end up being 30 days. You I know? know. I mean, and, and it, it was a nasty crash into a wall. He came down funky on his left leg and, uh, The knee, you know, bruised because of it. you know, it could have been a lot worse, but uh, they have really been impacted offensively. Not just his production, David, but just his presence in the lineup makes that lineup, you know, one run, two runs. I mean, how many runs have they scored in the last four four or five games? You know, it's and, and they've won half of them, but, you know, they're scoring two or one run a night. Score
3: listener lines powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit betql.com. 312-644-6767. That's where we find Mike in Glencoe. Good morning, Mike. Welcome inside the clubhouse.
1: Good morning, fellows. And Bruce, I'll be grumpy if even if you can't be this morning. Um, <laughs> you guys both are accurate about the White Sox, but there's a long-term issue and a short-term issue in play. The short-term issue is that Dylan Cease doesn't return to form today against the Tigers, the team he used to own. We I don't want to hear anything more about our all-star uh, um, pitching rotation because he's been awful this year. He's been awful since the first outing in spring training, as you'll remember. And there's something wrong with this guy. And if we can't fix him, it's going to be a long year. But the longer issue goes back to last night. Not the win, but the crowd. Uh, beautiful night, what 75 degrees at the ballpark. Um, it's a, a divisional opponent, and we barely draw 20,000 people. Uh, Sox fans are smart, uh, as you've said many times over the years. This program, they won't buy. Unlike the Cubs, Cub fans, they don't accept bad baseball. And I, and all the futility that David, you, and Molly have been talking about all week long about the hopelessness of, of how to fix this. The only way the Sox fans can push back is not to show up, and not to be able to go to not not wanting to enjoy a Friday night at the ballpark on a beautiful summer night. Uh, I don't know if Mr. Reinsdorf listens. I certainly don't know if Mr. Williams listens. But uh, I think that speaks loudly to the, the intelligence and sensitivity and baseball knowledge of the Sox fan. We won't pay to see bad baseball.
3: Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the phone call. As always, Bruce, you talked to Kenny yesterday. How would you describe the level of frustration in the front office, maybe even at the ownership level with what
4: the Sox have been unable to do this season? Huge. Kenny Williams doesn't pull any punches. It's on his face. It's in his conversation. You know, he said, yeah, of course we're better. That's that's still not good enough. We built this team to win. We expect to win, okay? And that's it. And I applaud him and Rick Hahn for their thoughts on that. You know, Pedro Grafal talked yesterday again about, hey, you know, we have to play better baseball. You know, we have played better in May. That's still not where we want to be. We want to be a consistent team. And, uh, you know, again, uh, the White Sox have not been that, but they have been better. And again, in a bad division, uh, they will win the division. Kenny said flat out to me yesterday, Look, uh, we're going to win this division, okay? That's how we look at it here, okay? Hmm. Are we going to be a great team when we get in? Well, at least we'll have a chance. If we get in, we're going to have a chance, okay? So that is how that's how the White Sox are looking at it. I don't, at this time, expect them to be sellers. I expect them to be buyers at the deadline. Wow. If they continue to play I, better. You can't I mean, say that I mean, on look, June 3rd, Bruce. You can't say that on June 3rd. Can you? Really? I, I I'll be able to say it on
3: July first. I I don't know that they're going to be in a position to to be that 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 I don't know if that would be the wisest path given what well, they are, where they are, and 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 then what the standings are. Is winning the division, an? And is that
4: the smartest thing to do to go out and be a buyer at the deadline if a, you have it's assets other than 1997? Okay, there were less playoff teams then, right? So the white flag doesn't come out quite as quick or maybe is not as prevalent as it was in 1997 when they made a huge trade, trading three veteran pitchers away, ending up getting a Bobby Howry and, uh, and, um, and uh, Keith Folk in that deal that set them up to win a division in 2000. You know who probably remembers that well?
3: Ken Hawk Harrelson, our next guest. He will join us on Inside the Clubhouse. Hawk is going to be on the score. Mercy. Bruce Levine, David Haw, it's Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 the score.
0: He gone. Stretch. You can put it on the board. Yes.
2: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
0: So many, so many catchphrases, so many words that Hawk Harrelson has given the game of baseball. The mic. The ball hit high at the wall. He looks up. You can't put it on the board. Yes.
5: Deep in the left center field. Wise back. Back. Makes the
3: catch. Wise makes the catch. What a play by Wise. Mercy. He gone. Alexei. Yes. Yes.
0: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw.
3: So many great memories there. The voice is familiar. And our so is our next guest. We go to the, our guest hotline sponsored by Circa Resort Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book here in Inside the Clubhouse with David Haw and Bruce Levine. We welcome in Ken, Hawk, Harrelson. How are you doing this morning, Hawk? Good morning, guys. Just sitting here watching Coco Golf. She's my
5: favorite tennis player. She beat uh, her opponent. Well, I good, uh, yeah, I've gotten to where I look. I love to watch tennis.
3: How about baseball, Hawk? What do you think when you're watching the White Sox play baseball this year? How would you describe them to this point of a season that's been somewhat disappointing? Well, as I said, I love to watch tennis. <laughs>
5: It has not been pretty. You know, it's, it's a shame, too. Uh, you know, people people really have gotten the wrong impression about uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, calling him cheap and everything else. I think we have the uh, eighth highest payroll in all of baseball. Uh, We've spent almost 200. 200- Welcome in.
3: Ken, Hawk, Harrelson, how are you doing this morning, Hawk? Good morning, guys. Just sitting here
5: watching Coco Golf. She's my favorite tennis player. She beat uh, her opponent.
3: Well, I good, uh, yeah, I've gotten to where I, look. I love to watch tennis. How about baseball, Hawk? What do you think when you're watching the White Sox play baseball this year? How would you describe them to this point of a season that's been somewhat disappointing?
5: Well, as I said, I love to watch tennis. <laughs> It has not been pretty. You know, it's, it's a shame, too. Uh, you know, people people really have gotten the wrong impression about uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, calling him cheap and everything else. I think we have the uh, eighth highest payroll in all of baseball. Uh, We've spent almost 200. We got a payroll of almost $200 million. And uh, it's just been, you know, it's been an underachieving, overpaid, underachieving uh, team. It's just that simple.
4: Hawk, uh, I mean, you were frustrated earlier in the year. Uh, you, you came on with uh, AJ uh, a little bit. And, and, again, David and I really appreciate having you on. It's great hearing your voice, buddy. Uh, what what were, what were your frustrations like when uh, they asked you about Jerry Selling? Because it was so contrary to, you know, normally – you know the the way that you and uh, and him have been pretty much seeing things the same way for about 40 years. Well,
5: it's 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 just a myriad of things that you know is going on that when you when you got a payroll like uh, like we have and and the guys. What really it boils down to, in my opinion, is agents. It's become an agent-run organization to the degree that agents are controlling baseball now. You know, the most powerful man in baseball is not Rob Manfred, the commissioner. The most powerful man is Scott Boris. Last year, his, his stable of athletes combined salary was $2 billion. Uh, $200 million, two hundred million dollars, two billion, two hundred million. This year, he's already passed that. So uh, he controls so much. And we, if you notice, we got a lot of guys that, if they just bump into a wall, they go on the DL. And if I was an agent, I'd be doing the same thing, especially with pitchers, to extend their shelf life. And and uh, I've never seen a team with many. Many DLs that the White Sox have had this year. I mean, it's just one right after the other. And it, what it boils down to, really, in my opinion, watching from afar, is uh, is we really just don't have any leaders on the ball club. I thought Chum Anderson had a chance to be that. I thought he had a chance to be our Derek right. Jeter, and uh, it has not turned out that way. So, in order to win. On a consistent basis, you have to have one or two leaders on the ball club. and And we just don't have that.
3: Hawk, how is your relationship now with the Sox and Jerry Reinsdorf? And I asked that only because when you said on AJ's podcast that he should sell the White Sox, I wondered where that came from. I wondered how realistic it is because we have been saying that in different forms and fashions over the years. But to hear it out of your mouth, I think it resonated a little bit more because of who you are and your proximity to Jerry. So, what did you? What was the purpose of saying that? And how much do you believe that it actually could happen?
5: Well, first of all, let me just say that I have never—I've met, you know, in my career, I, I, you know, done a lot of things and uh, been a lot of places, and met a lot of people from presidents to vice presidents, you know, to movie stars and everything else was I, I said that because i'm I'm worried I was worried about Jerry's health. You know he's got a he's got a bad baseball team. He's got a bad basketball team and 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 he he really loves baseball. I mean Jerry is a baseball nut, and I never met a man in my whole career that I have more respect for and and actually love. I love Jerry like a like a big brother and uh, and I said that. I was concerned about Jerry because of the way he loves the white Sox, by, by his health and, and uh, I still am, you know, he, you know, he goes to all the games and uh, you know, he's uh, 86 years old now. And, uh, uh, I, and that's the reason I said it, David, I, I, I was just concerned for his health. And I, I really would like to see Jerry in a, in a more, uh, in uh, compatible environment, so to speak, uh, than he is in right now.
4: Maybe you should watch a little more tennis. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's just,
5: it's just it's just amazing how many, you know, you can. It's not Pedro. I didn't see anything wrong with Pedro. I don't know Pedro. I never met him. Didn't, didn't never heard of him until they hired him. You know. By watching him manage uh, a baseball game, I hadn't seen anything. He can only he can only play with what he's got, and he hadn't yeah. had a whole bunch this year. Let's face it, you know he doesn't know who's going to be on the DL when he goes to the ballpark, uh, uh, and it's just it's just disheartening. And and I feel bad for the Sox fans because I love our Sox fans. I mean, I really do. It's, it's just and I miss them. Yeah. It's just something that I feel real bad about. Uh, I have, when I go to the grocery store, you know, what our home here in Indiana, <coughs> excuse me, our or home in, in Orlando, when I go to the golf course, fuck, what's wrong with our socks? What's wrong with our socks? You know, and I just tell them we suck. It's just that simple. <laughs> uh, they just, uh, Pedro doesn't have a when he goes, he's got a guessing game on who, who to play that day.
4: Yeah, Hawk, uh, You called me uh, late last year, and you and you said to me, you know, and you knew I was, my me and my family we were going through some things. And he said, "Hey, Bruce, do me a big favor." He said, "Do not retire from your job. If you have the ability to continue to work, continue to work." And and I know talking to you over the last couple of years, you know, you talked about. What your days are like and, uh, you know, having to move on, you know, and uh, going to retirement, you know, you know, all all the things that have been what what are your thoughts about that? And, you know, I I know I know you and your family, you know, once you got in the Hall of Fame, it was good to go on to retirement. But what what are your thoughts about that? And and having left the White Sox, I mean, do, do you really think you should have stayed longer? Well, uh, you know that, that.
5: As I said on uh, on AJ's podcast, I was retired. I didn't retire. I was retired, and and uh, uh, I didn't see it coming. I really didn't. But uh, the thing about it is, as I said, you know, I was in broadcasting, you know, for forty two years, and it was you know, 30-something years with the Sox. And, and uh, you know, biggest part of my life, really. And it's, it's still there. I, I watch as much as I can, and I listen to as much as I can. I, I really uh, – I've always thought, as you know, Bruce, I've always thought that, that baseball is a radio game. Right. And I know when Drysdale and I were working together, we were going back and forth. You know, we go three on TV – three on radio and come back for the last three on TV. And it was a lot more fun doing radio because, you know, I, I just love our radio broadcast because of the fact, you know, those guys, DJ and those guys, they put you right in the ballpark. And that's what a good uh, announcer does on radio. They put you, if you're driving or wherever, they put you right in the ballpark. Uh, that's the reason, you know, that uh, yeah you had so many good radio announcers and uh, it's just it's just more fun doing it from an announcing standpoint. But what I do now is I watch a lot of TV. I watch uh, you know Walker Texas Ranger. I watch Gunsmoke. I watch Judge Judy. You know I sit on my ass all day and, and watch TV because I hadn't played <laughs> golf in almost five years. Yeah. Um, I got bad wrists. I just had swung the heaviest bat in the American League. I swung a forty ounce bat. And, and I've had five of the best hand doctors in the country look at it, and they all said exactly the same thing. I said, Hawk, you just wore them out. And uh, Arnold Palmer used to get on me about that because I took a, a divot about a foot long and about two inches, three inches deep. And he told me every time we'd play, and we played for 30 years there, every time we'd play, he'd say, one of these days it's going to get you, and it did. And, and I, as I said, I haven't played around the golf. I hadn't played a hole of golf in almost five years, so it's uh, uh, my best friend right now is my iPad, uh, iPhone, and the TV.
3: Hawk, I just want to be clear and follow up here because obviously you're you're a legend. You're in the Hall of Fame, and your voice is synonymous with so many White Sox memories and so many great great seasons on the South Side. Before you left the booth, did somebody from the White Sox? front office from ownership tell you that you could no longer continue as the voice of the White Sox? No, I think, I, I think
5: what it happened it was, it was a situation that, um, I had mentioned on a, on a radio show. I don't know. It wasn't yours. It was, I forget what it was. It could have been somebody in Dubuque Iowa, or LA, whoever that, uh, they have talked to me about, you know, how much longer I wanted to broadcast. And I had mentioned something about possibly retiring in that radio. And I think what happened was that by me saying that, it's, it's, uh, I put Jerry and, and the Sox in a you know, position to whereas they thought I was going to retire. And uh, that's when they went out and they hired, you know, Jason. While I was still working, and it it just it
0: it
5: it was just an uncomfortable position that I put them into, I think, and that was the reason that they did that. And then when they said that uh, you know they had hired uh, another another guy who was Jason, then I knew that I was going to be you know replaced. it wasn't all bitter at all. There's nothing bitter about it. It was just something that I think I, I caused myself.
4: How about making a comeback? <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I, I uh, mean... <laughs> I'm, I'm
5: enjoying my grandkids, and uh, I'll tell you what, it's just I got the, almost 50 years that I've married my beautiful Greek wife, Eris, and, and I, I, I'm starting to, you know, last. Uh, you know two years ago I, I fell into a, a thing of hey you know this is not bad this is not bad this is retirement business uh, but a lot of times especially in certain games I'll be watching and I, I get the urge to you know to uh, have a microphone in front of me and, and, and talk about it because I, I, I really think that What's happened in the game of baseball? It's a different. It's a different game today. You know, it, first of all, doing a you know a three-two, a four-three ball game, that's that's easy. What what in television, the tough games to do are when there's ten to one, 12 to three, or you know, whatever. That's the reason Euchre to me is today is right. the best. Uh, you know, he's the best radio broadcaster uh, going because he can handle those games so well, you know. And, and that's the secret to being uh, a, a good radio broadcaster is, is holding the audience and still making it entertaining for them. So that's where a lot of the stuff that I did, you know, as far as uh, uh, catchphrases and stuff like that came into play because I used to do that as a player. I'd be in right well, field and Fenway park, you know, and, and Jim Lombard or whoever was pitching for us would punch out, you know, Harmon Killebrew or Mickey Mel And I'd say, Hey, Don you know,
0: <laughs>
5: and uh, get some other SOB up there. You know,
4: it, it's just, uh,
5: I, it was fun. We,
4: he I, had I got to fun in this game. We don't. Our guys don't have a whole bunch of fun. I got a solution, my friend. It's going to solve your problem. It's going to all you all the listeners who still yearn to hear you out there. It's going to solve that problem. It's going to be the Hawk Harrelson podcast, okay, with assorted co-hosts, okay. Because you still have a lot to say, and you're not afraid to say it. And I think baseball still needs you out there, Hawk. So. David and I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you for coming on and sharing with us. Uh, thanks for straightening out that uh, Jerry Reinsdorf situation, which was all about you saying it was about his health, not about uh, that he's too old to own a ball club. I think it's it's you clarified that. And uh, the best to Harris and the family. Give our love to them. And uh, I think the podcast is your solution and salvation, my friend. Sounded great, Hawk. Well, you know, the
5: funny thing about it, guys, is that I get – Actually, get more fan mail now than when I was uh, broadcasting. It's amazing how much fan I get. Buckets of fan mail, uh, and I, I I answer them all. And uh, when I go back to Orlando, I couldn't even bring them all up here. And when I go back to Orlando, I'll finish, uh, you know, responding to them all. And it's just, uh, it's just you know, again, it's just a different game today. And and I love it. I love it more probably now than I did when I was uh, playing or broadcasting.
3: Thanks so much, Hawk. Hawk, uh, Have a great uh, day and weekend, and we appreciate your time. Okay. Ken Hawk Harrelson right here on Inside the Clubhouse. A lot to react to, Bruce, and we will do that when we come back here. It's Chicago Sports Radio, of The Score. We're back with more Inside the
0: Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Hawk
3: inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 to score that was a really interesting interview with ken hawk harrelson bruce i think there were a couple things there that you know we, when we talked about when you suggested having hawk on uh, selling the team which he was quoted as saying jerry Reinsworth should do on the aj Przinski foul territory podcast and that was something to explore as as was you know the the contention that he was pushed out of the booth, which is the way that we left it. So I'm glad he addressed both of those things. What was your reaction to what your good friend had to say?
4: Well, he said the White Sox suck. So uh, that was <laughs> that's that, not exactly breaking that, news. I think that, that was that's, that's gradual. Well, yeah, that's an ongoing Hawk's series. Saying, it's just yeah. Hawk saying that he struggles to be able to watch it. You know that that was um, I thought that was telling, but. Uh, I think he I think he wanted uh, to clarify the situation with Jerry you know because um, as he said uh, their their relationship has been great over the years um, and uh, they've been pretty supportive of each other that doesn't mean that Jerry hasn't had a call him into the office a few times over the years you know with the umpires and other situations and say hey uh, you have to apologize or cool it or you know him and him and Bud Selig had to pull Hawk aside about seven or eight years ago and say, hey, look, you have to make a direct apology to the umpires that you offended here, okay? Hmm. You uh, you have offended people directly, and uh, you've got to do it. And and he did. This is maybe 10 years ago now, when uh, right at the end of the time when Bud was still the commissioner of baseball. So from all that, um, I just take it as – when people get to the age of eighty and they're still they still feel they have the uh, desire to work and contribute, that there's between lunchtime and dinner time you can't fill that time. Okay, that's just an impossibility, and people feel uh, isolated. I think Hawk feels isolated in the retirement of that time in between. Whether he would be going to the ballpark, whether he'd be on a show whether he'd be doing his prep for um, a game. Those are uh, things that you get excited about that uh, helps you get missing in his life. And a lot of people who get to retirement age life, they, they have trouble filling the afternoon hours. From an analysis perspective, when
3: he referred to Tim Anderson, and you could hear the disappointment in his mm-hmm. voice for what Tim Anderson has not become. I think a lot of people had high hopes at the beginning of this season that maybe Tim Anderson, because of the World Baseball Classic experience and exposure and the way that he handled that moment, thought he was going to be, all right, hitting reset in 2023. Hawk's disappointment in Tim Anderson, I think, is reflective of the way many fans view TA at this point in time. Do you agree or not?
4: I do. Uh, I, I, I asked Kenny about Anderson. He said, well, he's healthy enough to play, but he's not 100%. So uh, from that perspective, we haven't seen that. And, and Hawk said it very succinctly, David. The White Sox appear to lack leadership, and and Tim Anderson was at at, at the very least the face of the Chicago White Sox from uh, what would you say from nine from two thousand and nineteen to two thousand eighteen. Through yeah, the bat, flip, the bat flip mentality, changing the game, yeah. all the things that were embraced. He, and he did a lot of that. I mean, yes. he showed not only leadership as a White Sox player, but leadership in the game of saying, hey, all you stodgy old guys who say this is the way it has to be done, move over, man. It's a new day. I'm a part of that new day. I'm bursting out of here. I think a lot of people, including myself, enjoyed the idea that uh, this guy – was saying, hey, there's a modern baseball, I play it, I play it at a high level, you're going to have to get used to it and enjoy it, and and, and I was. But with injuries and with um, some of the things that Tim has had to go through off the field, it's really changed him. And uh, and I, I think the desire is still there for him. I just think the joy of the game, uh, the way he played it, is, is somehow missing. I'd like to know from his vantage
3: point, I'd like to hear in his words what exactly has happened, and maybe he's not comfortable to address that. Maybe it is none of our business, but something about Tim Anderson seems to have changed in the way that he does embrace those moments, embraces his role as a leader on the White Sox, and I think it goes beyond the injuries that he's had to deal with, but I think it also is interesting to hear Hawk say about the leader, no leadership on the White Sox and say he's yeah. not met Pedro Grafaule. And Pedro Grafaule, Bruce, is is going to get his share of criticism, and you, you talk to him about that, which sets up our next segment, Chin Music.
4: Yeah, and and again, David, uh, it's what you and I talked about at the beginning of our show. There's no Harper. Uh, there's no Machado. There's no leadership on this, team. you know, so – Uh, They're they're missing that. Hawk identified it, and we're we're willing to listen to you as well. 312-644-6767. Looking forward to some chin music, David.
3: Yes, because Pedro Griffo gave us something to react to. Both managers uh, in Chicago get their share of criticism, and we'll talk about what that means and what's appropriate and maybe what crosses a line next on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.